1: And I'm Nathan Seelove. Today we have a very exciting episode for you. Uh, We will start off by talking about the attempted coup in Russia, as weird as that fucking thing got. Um, And then our second segment will focus on uh, uh, Hunter Biden, um, his recent plea deal, and some of the kind of revelations that have been coming out around that. Um, Try to break it down for you. Ultimately, like, it's worth... Uh, kind of evaluating these claims and determining what kind of influence they actually have on our politics because you know it's really a hot topic in the news and maybe it should be maybe it shouldn't be
0: we'll get to it or maybe it should be but not for the reason that it is
1: yeah Ooh, tricky what uh, what a nuanced take Ooh. yeah (laughs) yeah
0: stay tuned stay tuned cool (laughs) real quick though we would also like to acknowledge that there are a lot of Supreme Court cases that are now coming out that have been decided that we are not covering on this episode, mm-hmm. partially because we had already planned the episode, and partially because there's probably going to be more court decisions that are going to come out by next week, so we're probably going to save that for next week. Totally, totally. Yeah, a lot of those decisions like just came out today as we're recording,
1: and ultimately... Like, we're not the legal analysts. We got to read a lot about and do the research in order to do that. So it takes a little bit of time for for that to to work its way through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So without further delay, let's talk about Russia. Yeah. Um, Then on to plan B. Russia. (laughs) A (laughs) obscure reference to a film that Michael and I made when we were teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) That I don't think anybody will ever get to see again. That I don't think. I think I think it's still up.
1: That one's still up. Okay, a lot of them I know. Yeah, that one. A lot
0: of a lot of them I took down, but like that one, that one didn't have anything too bad in it. That was that's still up. It's just stupid.
1: Yeah, Yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, So that's a little Easter egg if you feel like going and trying (laughs) to find that on on the internet. Um, So you've heard of Russia? Uh, They're invading Ukraine. Um, It's not going great for Russia. Mm. Uh, Overall. Things have been rough. Ukraine has now launched a counteroffensive against Russian forces. Uh, You know, while they're the Russians putting up a pretty fierce resistance, ultimately, like the story of their invasion of Ukraine has been pretty consistently bad. Yeah, Uh, they've been losing lots of soldiers in battle. They've been losing internationally due to sanctions, and losing a lot of confidence domestically. And as Ukraine. Continues to kind of intensify their war effort, including getting pilots trained to fly F 16s. um, Putin's behavior has become, you know, even more erratic and causing like even more loss of confidence at home, Um, including like Russian oligarchs and elites who are doubtful about their ability to win in Ukraine and are really just hoping for the war to kind of stall out. Uh, or at least Russia to be able to get out of it without being totally humiliated. And so against that backdrop, those elites uh,
0: launched a little bit of a a coup, a coup d'etat, a coup de, you know, a coup de gras. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. good old-fashioned coup d'etat. And it's interesting because when you spend some more time looking into the reasoning behind it, you start to realize that, it's probably more one of Mm self-preservation on Progozin's part than it is like him actually taking a stance or having a principle. Yeah. Because basically what happened was that a few weeks ago the defense ministry of Russia decided that the paramilitary groups that were fighting in Ukraine would now have to basically be uh, directly absorbed by the Russian military, mm-hmm. meaning that Prigozhin would pretty much lose his, uh, his immediate power over the Wagner group. And of course, he didn't want that. He didn't want to give up his power. And in response to that, he basically said, fuck you, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then Putin doubled down and said, fuck you, you are doing that. And then Progozin came out and said, fuck you, I'm really not doing that. And then he probably <laughs> realized, shit, I just said that to Vladimir Putin, <laughs> The dude that poisons people's underwear for looking at him funny. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker's going to poison my condoms someday. I got to do something about this. <laughs> and so he basically unleashed this whole, uh, it was like a 30-minute a, a rant mm-hmm. about how terrible things are going in the war against Ukraine Mm -hmm. that was released. And initially he didn't directly criticize Putin, but he was still violating the laws against criticizing the war. Yeah. And then slowly and, but surely he doubled down and doubled down and doubled down Mm -hmm. until he pretty much his, his entire military company just turned on Russia and started marching towards moscow and this weekend they were within uh, 120 miles of moscow
1: yeah which is that's fucking insane so yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's mind-blowing ultimately yeah
1: he'd been kind of like apparently like uh sowing the seeds of this rebellion uh for a while releasing these like uh rants on his telegram channel uh, the Wagner Group had also uh, been releasing like these as well. Um, he even like tried to, he, I think, did some like disinformation a little bit. He like he appears to have faked a Russia-led attack on the Wagner Group to give himself a little bit of plausible uh, rationale for going in and, and rebelling against Russia. And then his aides actually hacked into Russian state TV to release one of his long rants. Uh, denouncing uh, the defense minister. So, to, yeah, as Nathan said, like like one night last week, they just, uh, his forces, because again, this guy is a billionaire oligarch in Russia who runs not only a restaurant and catering company, but also <laughs> one of like their most influential, most powerful paramilitary mercenary groups. This group is... Active around the world, representing Russian interests, um, you know, enacting regime change, you know, doing training, supporting, um, supporting like uh, authoritarian uh, leaders around the world and representing Russians' interests. And so like this dude has a lot of, not only like soft power, but literal military power at his disposal. Um, yeah. So last week, uh the Wagner Group released a statement on Telegram saying, quote, Putin made the wrong choice, all the worse for him. Soon we'll have a new president. <laughs> um, and then started their their march um, back from Ukraine into Russia taking control of Rostov-on-Don, a city of more than a million people, which is the center of Russia's logistics uh, effort in support of the Ukrainian war, and released this statement uh, Pregosian did, that if the defense minister didn't, uh wasn't like ousted, that he would lead his army to Moscow. And that's exactly <laughs> what he attempted to do. Which is fucking crazy. This guy yeah. like is in command of his own private army yeah. and is leading it against Russia, whose army is in Ukraine, right? Like, yeah. this is a highly trained mercenary force against like Russia's internal security and maybe like Basically, like their internal, like national police forces and stuff like that. So, like, they're
0: fucking freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what's interesting is how long he got away with criticizing Putin. Yeah. Putin's a guy that's chopped off the fingers of people for less. Mm -hmm. But he kind of just let Pergozin criticize him for a while. And the only Mm -hmm. reason why he did was because the very few. Victories that they did have in Ukraine mm-hmm. were basically because of the Wagner forces. Yeah, yeah. Like like Michael said, these are highly trained mercenaries that have, you know, many of which have a lot of experience on these people. And what's what's mm-hmm. also interesting about the Wagner group is that Russia had been tr- has tried to deny their existence for mm-hmm. years. Yeah, and technically, they're not exactly a legal group mm-hmm. because, like, in Russian law, they're not supposed to have. Private military mercenary people. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting is they've they've been able to get away with it because for one thing, like they have basically been doing what Russia tells them to do, and yep. for another thing, in in legal terms, they're considered a volunteer group. Yeah, which is funny because like they get paid a fuck ton, mm-hmm. and. They're frequently advertising their benefits to to various people.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and apparently like Putin Putin was actually instrumental in creating this, yeah, group um, a few years ago, and they were they were like at the center of the invasion of U- of Eastern Ukraine in 2014. They're basically like Russia's military force that they're able to plausibly deny is controlled by the Russian government which enables them to do all kinds of stuff without implicating necessarily directly the Russians, which is a total fucking Putin move. Like the thinnest veil of plausible deniability or rationale, he's just going to go in with military force. Like that is that is his playbook 101.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, before you go and start saying that Pergozin is a big hero, <laughs> uh, I, I would just like to point out that there was a BBC article... That my friend Josh, who's been following this very closely, uh, uh, pointed out to me where basically one of Pergozin's criticisms at one point was that the Russian ministry was not willing to use tactical nuclear strikes. Um, Great. Which is a little confusing, because he's also criticized them for doing the war in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's like, hey, if you're going to do a war, do it properly. Yeah, kill you know, everyone. Kill everybody. <laughs> Yeah. So, so not necessarily a good guy. And mm-hmm. I honestly, it, it's hard to say if, if the coup had succeeded, which it probably wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But if the coup had succeeded, it's unclear as to whether Pergozin would be a step up from Putin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think that's, that's absolutely right. And ultimately, like, it's, it ended in a weird way. Like, this, yeah. this was so strange. So, we're so as Nathan said, you know, Picture this, we've got uh you know mercenary forces like a thousand kilometers from Moscow. They start, you know, marching towards the capital city. Police in Moscow are putting up barricades and trying to get ready for this, right? Like the the column of like heavy equipment that is on its way to Moscow gets attacked a little bit, ultimately to like no avail. Pragoshin's soldiers shoot down Um, An attack helicopter, they shoot down a couple of other aircraft, killing some Russians, and, like, are within, you know, a couple of hours of arriving in Moscow, when, out of nowhere, Belarus's president, Alexander Lukashenko, announces that the rebellion's off, and that he's brokered a deal between Prigozhin and Putin. (laughs) Like, out of nowhere. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just Which totally I, I, avoid this. I, it should this be conflict. pointed
0: out that um Belarus is kind of just a puppet of Russia. Totally. Like it's they're not they're not really a sovereign nation. They're absolutely a puppet of Russia. Mhm. Yeah. But it yeah, is interesting that they kind of acted as a broker in this. Mhm.
1: Especially if they are a puppet of Russia, you know they're like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. again, maybe that's just another attempt at, of Putin to like save face while trying to reach a deal. But um, Progorshin then says like his his followers really wanted to avoid bloodshed, you know, despite I don't know
0: starting the rebellion in the
1: first <laughs> place.
0: <laughs> yeah, my my military mercenaries whose literal job is to kill people. They mm-hmm. didn't want to do any bloodshed. They're really a group of sensitive nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so again, I I think I think it's kind of similar to what I said earlier. Like I think mm-hmm. he started this he started this to be in the beginning to try to avoid like to, to as as self-preservation. And I think that he ended it as a yeah. matter of self-preservation because I think he realized when he doubled down on telling them, no, you're not going to absorb the, the Wagner company mm-hmm. into the Russian military. Yeah. When he doubled down on that, he knew his ass was in trouble. Mm-hmm. So he had to give himself some leverage. And I think he also knew perfectly well that there was no way that that coup was going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And his ass was going to die if he tried. And so he he cut a deal because he was trying to preserve himself.
1: Yeah yeah that does seem to track it it really does ultimately the the soldiers as part of this group are going to be are going to face like no prosecution they will be integrated into the regular army kind of as planned uh is going into exile in belarus uh which as nathan pointed out it's pretty much like russia he's a billionaire as well so he's not probably doesn't have that much to worry about um and so this whole thing will kind of just like fade away into the background
0: at least to some extent see um, i I don't agree with that. I think knowing Putin first off uh, any soldier that was involved in this mm-hmm. like for the next 10 years look over your shoulder dude yeah <laughs> like I, I think if I were if I were one of those soldiers, I'd get the fuck out of Russia right now. Mm-hmm. I'd be like I would well, get are. my They're family being out. sent back to Ukraine. I <laughs> I I'd, I'd, I'd get out of the reach of yeah, Russia. Yeah, the reach of the Russian military. Like mm. I'd take my family and I'd go live on some remote island somewhere yeah. because like that dude's going to remember this and he's going to poison you. Hmm. And I I do not think that Pergozin's going to get away with this. I think that yes they reached the deal and I mm. think that this this is going to like the the dust is going to settle, and the media is going to stop talking about it, mm-hmm. and this is going to become just a blip on the radar in the U- Ukrainian war. And then in a year or two, when everybody's forgotten pergozin's name, we're going to see a tiny little blip in the media saying, <laughs> Russian oligarch pergozin mysteriously dies <laughs> under uncertain circumstances. And we're all going to know what happened. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm right. calling it now. That's what's going to happen. And I think there's a good chance that some other people that were involved in this coup are also going to suffer the same fate. Interesting. Uh, I think that Putin's going to wait until the world's not watching. Hmm. But I think that that's ultimately what's going to happen.
1: Interesting. Yeah, especially like I, I can see, I can see being okay with the soldiers going and returning to the military for now, given that they have a pretty desperate need for troops especially skilled ones but like you know that that clock has i guess got to run out at yeah. some point or later, they just keep putting you on the front, line, front lines
0: <laughs> later down da- putin has a list is what i'm saying putin <laughs> has a list of every single soldier hmm. that uh, was involved in that coup and you know he might use them for now but like after I- after they're out of the conflict, whether they win or lose the war with Ukraine when everything's settled and they're in peace times, he's gonna still have that list and he's mm-hmm. gonna go through that list.
1: So, yeah, I mean that that is totally possible. I'd be really curious to see <laughs> how that ends up, although maybe we'll never get comprehensive.
0: And maybe maybe on it'll it. only have the higher-ups on it. Maybe it won't be mm-hmm. every single soldier, but mm-hmm. like there's there's going to be some mysterious, you know, well, he so and so russian former soldier former uh member of wagner company seems to just throw himself out the window last tuesday like that that's <laughs> police are no see. longer
1: investigating
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's been ruled a suicide yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. well so what i'm what i'm curious about though because i don't really care too much about the wagner company group i don't really care too much about yeah. Prigozhin. i'm kind of curious about what this exhibits on like the international stage what it yeah. Uh, what it may or may not inspire people to do domestically like what this might mean for Russia's position in Ukraine and national and internationally that's my big question
0: and I don't know if I have an answer for you
1: <laughs> yeah no I I don't think anybody does yet I mean ultimately this seems like just another you know next logical step of some you know loss of kind of domestic, Confidence, although it's very possible to your point that this is just a pure attempt at, uh, you know, self-preservation and not an indication that like Prigozhin himself was like, you know, uh, skeptical of the war effort necessarily. Although he claims to be publicly, but at the very least, a, a demonstrated coup during wartime against an authoritarian president for the first time in his twenty-three years as as you know the leader of the nation it does make you question and i imagine it would make the the you know just continue to sow doubt in the public in the minds of the public in uh in russia um and i know like ukraine seems to be celebrating this they seem to um be you know excited that there was some kind of at least uh po- you know political unrest domestically in russia um so i can't imagine that it helps the russian war effort but i guess it's it uh remains to be seen whether it hurts it at all
0: yeah hell if i were if i were in ukraine i'd be laughing my ass off right now yeah right um but <laughs> i think that there's there's a few potential scenarios that this presents us with um i think scenario number one is based on the fact that putin had been doing all he could to prevent people in Russia from knowing just how badly things are going in Ukraine, what Mm -hmm. they're doing in Ukraine. And he'd been cracking down on people for, uh, for speaking out against the war in, in Russia, you can get five to 15 years in prison for speaking out against the war. Jeez. For even uh, hell, you can't, like, you're not even supposed to call it a war. Um, (laughs) but the fact that you, you know, you, you had a large scale, I mean, unofficial sect of the military, Mm basically march a coup, like almost march a coup on Moscow. Yeah. And the fact that his justifications, whether it was for self-preservation or not, what he was saying was, this shouldn't be happening in the first mm-hmm. place. This is a bullshit war. Um, like it's, we're going into Ukraine on false pretenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a war of defense and we're throwing lives away. Russian lives away mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, for, for, for nothing, basically. Um, the fact that you had a person with that loud of a mouthpiece mm-hmm. take a step like that makes it really difficult for the average Russian citizens to be able to ignore what's going on. You know, they're, they're being confronted with it. Yeah. And that's yeah, yeah. the type of thing that starts to spark civil, uh, civic unrest. Mm-hmm. So that's scenario number one. I think that this could result in more civic unrest. Scenario number two is sort of the scarier scenario, which is that it pushes Putin to be more desperate and mm-hmm. potentially take uh, more egregious means against Ukraine. And then I think uh, scenario number three is... Kind of the boring scenario, Mm -hmm. which is that nothing really changes. And the thing is, this didn't take enough time for them to end up needing to retract any troops from Ukraine to to defend Moscow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, tactically, this really didn't do that much Mm -hmm. with regard to the war in Ukraine. If Putin is able to keep control of the narrative and able to keep control of the civic unrest... Then, then I think that the war is just going to continue as it has been, and this is just going to be a blip on the radar. Mm. And, and I think that that third scenario is probably going to be the most likely scenario. Yeah, interesting. I'd be also
1: really interested to see with the Wagner troops that go back into the Russian military, how like where they end up. Because I imagine without, you know, it's on the one hand they could maintain the companies and the and the troop organization that the Wagner group has keeping all these mercenaries working together but of course when you're you know it's not typically advisable to keep your rebellious force Uh, united (laughs) you generally want to divide those people up so but at the same time like to your point earlier like they're one of the more effective groups of soldiers in the war so you might see some of that effectiveness diluted as they're integrated throughout the military i'm also really curious what happens internationally with the wagner group uh now that you know kind of cut the head off the snake um because they operate in the middle east and africa and latin america and uh you know uh they they uh implement russian policy in like syria and the sudan and venezuela and so like ultimately there might be a little bit i saw one analysis that that described potentially a little bit of a power vacuum as wagner forces kind of are dissipated internationally which may present an opportunity even outside of ukraine to kind of take control uh or at least gain influence uh uh, as Russia's kind of losing that influence in those countries, so we'll see. I'm I'm really curious to see what form it's going to take. At the very least, it's one of the first thing that's happened in a while outside of the country of Ukraine that was totally like a surprise. It seems to Putin, like totally outside of his radar and expectations. Um, so, at least at the very least, hopefully it's a wrench in the works. And now it's time for a more lighthearted segment. Good actually. So Nathan, what is good actually? Well, Michael,
0: we do good actually because the world sucks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It like, sure does. It is literally hellfire. Mm-hmm. The air quality index listed uh, listed my area as very unhealthy today. Ooh. And it was yeah, it's in the red zone. And outside oh. there is smoke everywhere. When I take my dogs out, I have them on leashes instead of just letting them roam free in the mm-hmm. yard. I'm wearing a mask. It looks like hellfire outside. I had Jesus. to play Doom today oh to fight against demons because I was I was in the mood of like I need to fight against some hellfire right now because <laughs> the world's terrible. But what's nice is that sometimes if you, you know, if you like try to swipe away the smoke and look really closely, mm-hmm. yeah. You see that yeah. There might actually be some good somewhere in the world. Hmm. And then you start wiping away even more of the Mm -hmm. smoke, and you, you spend some more time reading and looking and thinking, and you realize, you know what? Good actually is all around us. Wow. That
1: is really mushy of you to say. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well in my rant in which i talked about killing demons in a video game. <laughs> and hellfire and the actual wildfires that are happening uh yeah yeah that'll that, be raging into winter so got you know. that
1: about back around to something good that's impressive. Very impressive yeah yeah so so michael what is our good actually this week well our good actually came from the most
0: unexpected source the united states supreme court you mean the the entity that has like a Negative 26,000 approval rating? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The entity that has destroyed uh,
1: individual freedom and and rights left and right over the last few years? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Uh, Yeah. And so on Tuesday, the United States Supreme Court Actually rejected a conservative legal theory. So mm-hmm. there's this theory which is being uh, which is brought to them uh, from a case in North Carolina called the Independent State Legislature theory,
0: which is basically which we actually covered on the pod.
1: Yes, if you want to go listen to it, that episode was from the second week of July, 2022. So you can go back and listen to that, and that was the episode where we were breaking down, um, you know, upcoming Supreme Court cases and. The case we're talking about now is uh, from North Carolina, and basically the independent state legislature theory is the idea that when it comes to federal elections, state legislatures basically have no limitations whatsoever, and that it's not possible for them to be limited by their state constitutions, and therefore their, uh, their laws that they pass with regard to federal elections are not reviewable by state courts. So if that sounds convoluted, which I I know it does, it basically puts the state legislature above their constitution and above review by the court in any question of federal elections, which means that in all of these states where there are really conservative state legislatures, they can do whatever they want, (laughs) including things like just giving the electors to the Republican or yeah. extreme gerrymandering or anything like that. And so this yeah. is a totally unfounded extreme legal theory which like is the like a the brainchild of people of Republicans who are just trying to garner as much influence and control over corrupting federal elections as possible. Yeah. And we were really worried that <laughs> the Supreme Court would buy into this ridiculous legal legal theory and three out of the nine of them did but six of the nine voted uh or 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 voted to reject uh yeah. this crazy fucking legal theory that would really destroy
0: democracy yeah and we're not saying that lightly yes yeah. this, like this would give state legislatures the authority to like so so, so take georgia for example georgia the legislature is controlled by Republicans, but Biden won the state mm-hmm. in 2020, mm-hmm. right? This would have basically given the Georgia state legislature the authority to just be like, fuck democracy. Yeah. We're giving our electoral nope. votes to, to Donald Trump. They could have done that under mm-hmm. this. Yeah. The Supreme Court rejected it. It straight up would have destroyed democracy as we know it yeah. if, if they had not rejected this. And all the shame in the world on Neil Gorsuch, on... Um, Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito Mm -hmm. for voting in favor of overturning democracy as we know it. Yeah. And (sighs) credit (laughs) take a deep breath (laughs) to Amy Coney Barrett (laughs) sorry, hold on (laughs) Brett Kavanaugh Brett, Brett, I like beer Kavanaugh (laughs) John Roberts. Okay, I got through the hard Sheesh. ones. Uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, mm-hmm. um, Sonia Sotomayor, mm-hmm. and uh, Elena Kagan. So credit, credit to them, though. Yeah,
1: totally. To paraphrase an amazing character from literature, Inigo Montoya, <laughs> John Roberts, you did something right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's good, actually.
1: So for our next segment, We're talking about corruption. We're Mm -hmm. talking about the seat of the devil's influence on our society and on our world. We're talking about the corruption that comes from power and nepotism and influence. So, of course, we're talking about someone that holds no official position (laughs) in the
0: government at all, Mr. Hunter Biden. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm probably gonna have a different take on this than most uh, most of what people will see in the uh, media. But but before before we get to that, let's go ahead and discuss the facts of it. Totally. So yep. Uh, this week, uh, Hunter Biden, who is uh, Joe Biden's son, mm-hmm. had a plea agreement on two charges related to the failure to pay taxes um now this happened in uh 2017 and in 2018 mm-hmm. and basically uh biden was a resident of of washington and he had a taxable income of more than 1.5 million dollars which Holy shit! <laughs> I know that among elites, that's standard, but I just mm-hmm. want to—I just want to point out, holy shit! Especially for a guy who's
1: seemingly his only qualification is having the last name Biden. Yeah, pretty much. Not to echo like Republican, <laughs> like conservative talking points, but, but it's—I mean, I mean it, it, but it's true. true. Like yeah. it's true.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So he owed more than a hundred thousand in income tax that he did not pay on time each year. So yeah, each year, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's no bueno. (laughs) We don't like to see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did eventually pay, and he has yes, and he has pled guilty to those uh, to those charges, Mm -hmm. and it's looking like he will be receiving two years of probation Mm -hmm. as a result of that. Now, there's another charge that has been brought against him. It's still a little bit in limbo, Mm -hmm. and that is a gun related charge. Yeah, as a lot of you probably know, or maybe you don't know because you don't really give a shit about Hunter Biden. Uh, Hunter Biden had a major drug problem just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was suffering from addiction to crack cocaine, and it was it was a really it was a really rough time in his life. And at one point, he bought a gun, and in filling out paperwork to buy that gun, he lied about his use of drugs Mm -hmm. on the document which means that he was illegally in possession of a firearm Mm -hmm. for 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 like two weeks like he didn't have it for very long because apparently his wife threw it away which honestly probably a good thing Mm -hmm. although i mean don't just don't
1: like Throw it away. She threw it in like a dumpster. It's like yeah. Now okay, you don't just have that. your hu- the gun your
0: husband owns like available for people to take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like you know, if you're if you're someone that suffers from drug addiction, it totally. is probably better to not have guns in the house. Yeah. Totally. um Which by the way, I just like to point out, I I do think it's kind of funny that Republicans are complaining about how the book was not thrown at Biden for a gun related charge mm-hmm. when they're the ones that are trying to like make limit sure there are the no very... gun related charges yeah, well, <laughs> limit the very paperwork yeah that biden had to fill that hunter biden had to fill out in order mm-hmm. to get the gun in the first place yeah so like if they were being intellectually honest they would say like this charge right here is bullshit because mm-hmm. people shouldn't have to fill out that paperwork to get a gun they should be able to you know go to a vending machine and get a gun mm-hmm. yeah um But, of course, they're not intellectually honest, so they're not going to say that.
1: Yeah. So what's interesting here is that, yeah, there's two potential charges apparently here. One is uh, like lying on a federal form, basically. And the the other is actually that it's, you know, against federal law to possess or purchase a firearm um, when, you know, when you are a user or addicted to a controlled uh, substance like crack cocaine. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so there's kind of two potential things here. And it appears that he was only charged with the possession of a firearm rather than, um, you know, lying on a federal form. And, and what from what I gather about reading about this one, like the, it's like fairly uncommon to be charged with uh, lying on a federal form in these kinds of cases, unless that just gets tacked on to other yeah. kinds of charges. Uh, you yeah. know. And usually even the possession, when it comes to, Addicts and addiction, even the possession of a firearm, apparently is pretty rare to be charged anyway, um, unless there are, unless it's like part of again, like other crimes, or unless there was violence involved. So typically, you know, this is it's it's not the kind of charge that would actually be that would be charged, uh, you know, just for possession.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, that being said, it looks like what's going to happen. Is that they're 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 trying to get what's called uh, a diversion? Mm-hmm. The 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 gun charge is going to be handled as a diversion case, which basically means that because he is a nonviolent offender mm-hmm. and because he has a substance abuse problem, if he can prove that he got his life back together, then the charge will likely be dropped. Yeah. Now, the question there. Is how often does that actually happen? Mm-hmm. All right, is that is he being given this specifically because he you know it, they're, they're trying to go easy on him, or is that something that is standard order? Well, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, according to a 2016 audit by the Office of the Inspector General, in August of 2015, 78 out of the 94 federal judicial districts didn't even have that program, Mm all right? Oh, for the diversion. Uh, Gotcha. Yeah, didn't have the diversion program. Uh, And in fact, the the number of diversion cases active decreased 1%, and there were only 356 of them. Hmm. Interesting. Which accounted for less than 1% of active cases. Hmm. And on top of that, this particular charge, when it is brought forward... The typical sentence, the average sentence for offenders of violating the code, which is um, uh, 18 USC and 922G, uh, is about 55 months in prison hmm. wow. or in jail. It's pretty
1: long. Now, yeah. is that typically like paired with being a violent offender, or are these people that are only charged with? So
0: that's specifically felony possession. Interesting. Now, one of the things to point out is the fact that. Um, felony possession in that specific statute is treated pretty much the same with firearms and with drugs. Interesting. All right. Hmm. It's a lot easier to prove that you were in possession of a firearm
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, illegally, but it's a lot harder to prove that you were in possession of drugs illegally. Gotcha. Uh, So it's kind of treated as, it's it's treated as felony possession. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so like that may or may not be also involved with, uh, violent crimes, but in this case, we're just talking about the felony possession and that would typically carry a sentence of, uh, 55 months. And it's looking like he's not going to get anything because of this, uh, because of this particular circumstance in which he was, you know, he, part of why he committed the crime was because he was addicted to drugs. Yeah.
1: And the way these diversion programs work is that, yeah, they, uh, basically, set a set of requirements that the person has to meet kind of like probation. Um, And so in this case, the expectation I think is that Hunter Biden would remain drug free and not commit any additional crimes for, for two years. Um, And so similar kind of to probation, but it's kind of prior to being charged with the crime in the first place.
0: Yeah. And it does
1: require that you admit, uh, you know, that the crime occurred and admit to facts in the case and admit to your own addiction as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, all in all, it's looking like what's going to result from this is, of course, the the diversion program in which you know which uh, Michael just laid out, and two years of probation, which a lot of Republicans are basically calling out as being a a light sentence, a slap on the wrist, mm-hmm. and trying to make the accusation that. This is the Biden administration trying to go easy on Hunter Biden because he is Biden's son. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a few problems with that. The person who is actually carrying out the the prosecution, it's David Weiss, which is a Trump appointee. He's a holdover from the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Garland has basically said, I am staying out of this mm-hmm. this trump appointed prosecutor they have full reign they have free reign now you might argue like well how, how do we know that he's staying out of it i mean i would say if you're a trump appointed prosecutor and the attorney general is interfering with your investigation i see no reason why you wouldn't be public about that mm-hmm. like, yeah, totally. I, like why wouldn't you come out and say that um I think, that, so I think that the accusations of um, some level of nepotism based on the fact that he's uh, Biden's son, I think that that doesn't hold up, and it also misses the point. And in fact, I think that most analyses of this right now are missing the point, because the argument that Republicans are trying to make is that there is a two-tiered justice system for Democrats and for Republicans, mm-hmm. that if a Republican commits something even minor, such as, you know, Donald Trump, um, that they throw the book at him. Now, of course, the minor charge that they're referring to is uh, stealing nuclear <laughs> <Fucking> secrets. espionage. <laughs> but, you, but know, you know,
1: who hasn't committed a little light treason? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and that when it comes to Democrats... They're less likely to throw the book at them and just give them a slap on the wrist for, for other criminal charges. And of course, what Democrats are going to say is either either they're just going to ignore this because in the grand scheme of things, this probably doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Um, or they're going to try to say, well, what Hunter Biden did was not nearly as bad as what Trump did, mm-hmm. you know this is small potatoes and honestly the only reason why he's being charged in the first place was because the investigation started under the Trump administration by a trump appointed prosecutor so this is actually the fact that it's happening at all the fact that he's being charged at all is just because he is a he is a biden so he's actually being prosecuted because of his political uh, you know his his political ties and i think both of those analyses Miss the point in different ways, mm-hmm. because the United States does not have a single tier justice system. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they're and right it about it.
0: Never has. Yeah, they're they're right about that. But it's not about Democrats versus Republicans; it's about elites versus everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, in researching this a little bit more, I've come to the conclusion that I think we should add another tier to that, or at least a sub tier. In the elite category, because what happens most of the time is if a person of a lower socioeconomic status commits a crime, they're charged. They have the book thrown at them. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes they have to spend time in prison before there's even been a trial. They'll sometimes do a plea deal Mm -hmm. because they couldn't afford bail in the first place and they will have their entire life ruined because of this, because they can't afford a good lawyer, they can't afford bail. You know, they're fucked over by the system. Mm -hmm. totally. Then you have your average everyday elites that are kind of doing things behind the scenes, and they almost never get charged with anything, Mm -hmm. unless what they do is particularly egregious and undeniable. They don't get charged with a goddamn thing. And then in the third tier... I would actually say you have elites that are still in a prestigious position and thus still get preferential treatment, but because they have a public profile, because they have a political profile or ties to a political person or are a political person, that there is more attention given to them, Mm -hmm. all right? That there is more... Of a of a partisan reason why they are pursued, and I think that that is the category that both Donald Trump and Hunter Biden fall into. Mm. So here's what I mean by that. First off, let's look at the whole tax-related crimes thing. All right, when it comes to tax-related crimes, it's actually pretty rare for for anybody to be convicted of it. In fact, according to a, a 2019 article from Tax Attorney Daily: Fewer than 2,000 people were convicted of tax crimes, which represents 0.0022 percent of all taxpayers. Hmm. Despite the fact that the IRS estimates that 15.5 percent of taxpayers are not completely complying with the with tax laws, Hmm. so already most people are not being charged with it. But it's also important to point out the fact that the people that tend to be committing tax fraud, that that have a tendency to commit tax fraud, the people that tend to be the cheaters are often disproportionately people of a higher socioeconomic status. Hmm. So people in the top 1% of earners account for 28% of tax evasion. Hmm. Compare that to the bottom 50% of earners, which account for just 12%, Hmm, all right? Interesting. So 1% account for 28%, and the bottom half account for just 12%, all right? So the people that tend to commit these crimes do tend to be people of a higher socioeconomic status, people like Hunter Biden. Mm -hmm. But of course, it is something that is rarely pursued. Now... There's a lot of factors that are going to go into whether or not they're going to pursue it. Uh, oftentimes, the more funding that the, that the IRS has, the more likely they are to go after bigger targets such as Hunter Biden, who is who, who does have more money, which is kind of funny considering the fact that Kevin McCarthy wanted them to decrease the budget for the IRS, which would make it harder <laughs> for them to go after people like Hunter Biden, but whatever. Um, well, they want to preserve our two-tier justice system, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. So— you know, so people involved with uh, with tax fraud are rarely charged to begin with, mm-hmm. and the ones that tend to be guilty are disproportionately people that are the higher earners. Yeah. But here's another thing that I'd like to point out that is completely missing from his charges, and that is the drug-related charges. Mm-hmm. Now, he has admitted to smoking crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. All right? He has admitted to being in possession of drugs to doing drugs like that is something he has admitted to now he wrote a fucking book about it (laughs) yeah now if you've listened to the show you know that i am no drug warrior Mm all right i think that it is fucked up that we lock up people like left and right for drug related crimes but we do have to point out the fact that the reason why he was never charged with that why it was never even considered that he would be charged with that is because he's an elite. Mm-hmm. All right, it's because he's an elite. One in five incarcerated people today are locked up for drug-related offenses. Twenty-six percent of all arrests in America, twenty-six percent, are drug-related offenses.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, before you think, oh well, what about um, what about sale versus uh, versus just possession? forty seven thousand three hundred and eighty Americans are arrested annually for the sale and manufacture of heroin cocaine and uh, other other similar products. Um, and two hundred and twenty seven thousand six hundred and fifty five Americans are arrested annually for possession mm-hmm. So poor people are always going to be arrested for that crime, for the crime of drugs, yeah. He's not going to be arrested. Hunter Biden's not going to be arrested. Poor people are going to be arrested. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to point out the fact that one of the biggest drug warriors of the 90s was a man by the name of Joseph Biden, (laughs) who was the architect behind the 90s crime bill, which exacerbated the war on drugs, led to harsher criminal penalties for drug users, but also... Continued to create our two-tiered justice system. Mm-hmm. Because the people that were being charged were not the elites like Hunter Biden. They were your everyday lower socioeconomic status Americans. All right. The conversation to be had as from from all of these charges is the fact that yes, Republicans are right when they say that Hunter Biden is being let off easy. They're absolutely right. The reason why Hunter Biden is being let off easy is because he's a rich elite who can afford a damn good lawyer. All right. That's why he's being let off. Mm -hmm. But the reason why he was even in the spotlight in the first place was because he was he was a Biden. Now, I think it's also fair to say that the reason why Trump is being charged with the things he's being charged with is because he has such a high profile that they can't really ignore all these crimes. Well, it's hard to get possession of all those uh, nuclear secrets if you're not of <laughs> yeah. a high profile. Well, yeah, that too, that too. Like, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to some of the charges, some of the charges are directly related <laughs> yeah, to him being yeah, president. Yeah, yeah. Some of them aren't. Like, some of his real estate shit, like, that's not even related to him being mm-hmm. president. Yeah, yeah. That's just stuff that he did. And, and I think it is fair to say that if it weren't for the fact that he had been president, they probably never would have pursued that. But the problem is that they should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem is you shouldn't have to have a high profile for you to receive not even the same treatment as as the rest of America, but like even minor consequences mm-hmm. for what you do. Yeah. Like even minor slaps on the wrist for what you do. All right. When Trump was supposedly arrested. For his campaign finance violation, he wasn't handcuffed. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. He
0: didn't have to do like a the the standard perp walk. In fact, he was even his he was even offered to have a, his arraignment happen over Zoom.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the type of shit yeah. that
0: does not happen if you are an average everyday American. That's mm-hmm. the the type of shit that you only get if you are an elite like Donald Trump. And this type of deal that Hunter Biden got is the type of deal that you only get if you are an elite now i'm not saying that he should have the book thrown at him anymore because he's an elite what i'm saying is that we should treat average everyday americans the same way we treat those elites all right first off if we acknowledge the fact that being addicted to crack cocaine not only like not only is it not something that you should go to prison for, mm-hmm. but should also be something that is taken into account when deciding whether or not to charge you with a gun-related charge. That is the type of thing that needs to be applied to everybody. Mm-hmm. All right? That's the type of justice system that we need to have for everybody. We need to be making sure that the people that are charged, the people that are put in prison, are the people that are actually a danger to society. And that is not what's happening. One in five people in prison are in prison for drug-related offenses. When elites do it, we don't care. Mm-hmm. When everyday Americans do it, we throw them in prison, all right? So the take from this should be we need to end the war on drugs, mm-hmm. and we need to treat everyday Americans the same way, with the same, like, with the same kid gloves, that we treat Donald Trump and Hunter Biden. There is a multi-tiered justice system, but it has nothing to do with partisan bias and has everything to do with elites. And Hunter Biden and Donald Trump are both in the good part of it. Yes, they're in they're the part that benefiting. you want to be. Yeah. They're both benefiting. So Hunter Biden committed crimes. He's being charged with it. And he is being given kid gloves. You know, he, he is being treated, uh, tr- He is being treated with kid gloves. All right. That is absolutely true. But to, but to try to pretend that the, the real story here is that he got off easy because he's a Biden is missing so much about our justice system. And, and of course they're gonna miss that because the people that are having the conversation, the media, the politicians, they're on that same elite tier of the justice system. So for them, it's the most obvious thing in the world that you would treat them differently, that you would treat them better. All right? This conversation that we're having, what I'm saying, would never even occur to them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they assume they're not a danger to society. (laughs) Yeah. And now it's time for one of our favorite segments, the
0: D-Bag Awards. So, Nathan, what's a D-Bag Award? Well, Michael, the D-Bag Award is an award that we like to give out to people who just make silly, stupid, pathetic, self-defeating arguments that are just so funny on their face and so, you know, Mm self-destroying that we just have to point at them and laugh at them, Hmm. you know? And, of course, it's named after Alan Dershowitz for that fateful time that he stood in front of Congress and said that that Donald Trump could not possibly... Have done anything that rose to the level of impeachment when he pressured Ukraine to to investigate his political opponent because Trump believed that it was in with it was within his best interest to win the election. <laughs>
1: I love that one. That's amazing. It was a
0: it was an argument that we found so insultingly stupid that we had to name an award after it. Sure did. So Michael, I I mean you're you're the one that suggested that that uh that came up with this one for this week and mm-hmm. I, I you know what I I gotta say I don't know <laughs> if this can if this can quite reach that the Dershowitz level of self defeating. Hold my beer. <laughs> so
1: our D bag this week is Ryan Helfensbean. Uh, this guy <laughs> Wait, is... wait, wait, wait. His his name is Helfensbean? Helfensbean. Hellensbean. How and Bean. <laughs> Maybe it's an alias. I'm so... But why would you pick it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would you pick that? So let's... What an interesting name. Yeah, this guy is the executive director of Liberty University's Standing for Freedom Center. So okay. if that doesn't set you up for a D-bag award, I don't know what
0: does. Um, okay. Yeah, so... I mean... You know, Li- Liberty University, mm-hmm. liberty means freedom and That's standing true. for freedom, you know, that he's standing for liberty. So, you know, it totally makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So he was um, in an interview at a gala hosted by the religious right activist Ralph Reed uh, for his Faith and Freedom Coalition, and he was being asked about, um, of course, kids in schools and and trans people and controlling education and you know he said something that like just really gave it all away and I think he was just a little too honest about about his position so he said basically this is an evangelistic movement on the left and that's what's happening it's indoctrination I mean they're proselytizing to the next generation what we're discovering as parents and conservatives is wait a second Education really is evangelism. So if you do not take control of education, you cannot control the future. And Stalin knew that. Mao knew that. Hitler knew that. We have to get that back for conservative values. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that it's just like, it's just like, so, straight, it's so rare to hear someone just so clearly like step on the rake <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> with
1: their commentary. Oh, like, I
0: mean, already, like at the beginning of the commentary, I'm thinking, I mean, so much projection here. Like, you're, yeah, education is evangelism. Yep, Be- because in education, what we try to do is teach people how to think for themselves, we mm-hmm. don't teach them what to think, we teach them how to think. All right? How to critically think, how to critically analyze at least if education is doing what it's supposed to be, yeah, that's working. what you're doing. All right? And what you're saying is that critical thinking, yeah. Trying to teach critical thinking mm-hmm. is the equivalent of evangelism.
1: Yeah, indoctrination. Which
0: by the way, you're you're already implying that when you make that claim, you're implying that there is something inherently negative about evangelism, but yeah. then you're admitting that you do it too.
1: Yeah. You're also like, saying, you're also saying that your end and evangelism is like not the critical thinking. Yeah. It doesn't come with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then to move on to be like, to, to say that education, that, that one controlling the minds of the youth of today is about controlling the future. Like, boom, that's fucking like yeah. scary fucking 1984 shit. And that would probably rise to the level of D bag enough and then to just the cherry on top, comparing yourself to Stalin and Mao and Hitler, and then saying, like, not only we need to get that for conservative values, no, we need to get that back. He's saying that we've yeah. had it. <laughs> we, we, we've we done the Hitler thing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: With the yeah. youth, you know, with the Hitler youth.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah. they need to
1: get that back for conservative values. That's amazing. I gotta
0: say, as an educator, my favorite moments are when a student changes my mind. Mm-hmm. All right? Like as a as a as a public speaking teacher, my students do persuasive speeches, all right? So I I you know, they 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 have to perform a persuasive speech for the class. And oftentimes, they'll do a persuasive speech on something mm-hmm. that I don't agree with them mm-hmm. on. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with them on everything. But my favorite moments are either either when a student changes my mind or when a student does a speech that I disagree with, but they make a really fucking good argument. Mm -hmm. Like I love when that happens. I love it. When a student is thinking for themselves, Mm -hmm. comes to a conclusion independent of, of me completely, like using the tools that I gave them in terms of like, here is how you think through issues. Mm -hmm. Here is how you critically analyze uh, a situation. And then comes to a different conclusion than I do, but still is able to argue it and articulate it and discuss it in a a intellectually honest and compelling way. Mm -hmm. I love when that happens. All right? That's not what evangelism is. Mm -mm. All right? That is not evangelism yeah seriously and i think hitler would probably hate me for it yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel, yeah i feel like um I, one of our goals in life should just be someone that hitler would have hated yeah yeah <laughs> and this guy's like you know like no no no, no my has got some good stuff i gotta yeah, this, write this this down. hitler guy he's got yeah. a point he's wow, got a point really good ideas from these this, this
0: Mao guy the stalin guy i mm-hmm. mean we need to be more like them dude yeah what the fuck yeah
1: S- yeah seriously
0: at the Faith and Freedom Conference? I know. Conference? That's the the Freedom part? Conference? That's
1: amazing. <laughs> so congratulations. more
0: like fascists. <laughs>
1: yeah. Faith and Fascist Coalition. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Congratulations to Ryan Helfenbein for being this week's D-Bag. And now we'll end our show as we usually do with our highlights. So
0: Nathan, what's your highlight this week? Well, Michael... Uh, my highlight this week is uh kind of a a, a preemptive one mm-hmm. um which actually might end up being my highlight next week uh, and that is the fact that um, next week is actually uh, my birthday and my parents are going to mm-hmm. be coming to uh, my parents and my grandmother are going to be coming to to stay with us for, for a little bit and I'm just really looking forward to that really looking forward to spending some time with them um to you know to party um to uh the we actually last year we discovered that there's a really nice hill park type place close to our house mm. that has a really great view of fireworks that we can just walk to amazing uh so we're gonna we're gonna watch fireworks and i'm i'm just i'm just looking forward to it
1: awesome that
0: is yeah. that's great dude yeah mike what's your highlight my highlight, I think,
1: I actually have two. One, we uh, had some friends visiting this past weekend, and we had an awesome time in Olympic National Park, which is absolutely gorgeous. Got to go hiking, and we did, yeah, it was, it was really fun. And it was a friend I hadn't seen in a while, so that was really fun. Um, but the main highlights are that on Sunday, it was my wedding anniversary, and on Tuesday, it was my wife's and my uh, anniversary of dating, Um, so, you know, married for six years. Yeah. Married for six years, uh, dating for 12 years now. Uh, so it's been a while and it's really, it was, it was really fun. Uh, we kind of been, have been peppering celebrations and stuff throughout the week and we're going to Vancouver this week or this weekend to do some more celebrating as well. Um, yeah. So that'll be really fun. Um, the benefit of living yeah. just two hours from Vancouver.
0: <laughs> 12 years, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's crazy. I, I remember those days. Yeah, dude. Um, And, and, you know, one thing that uh, our listeners might not know about is that um, uh, his wife actually, mm. uh, actually purchased him from me um, sure. with a, with a bag of beef jerky
1: sure it's important to uh pay tribute to the rightful you know <laughs> we should I- actually i just had a really funny idea i'm gonna mention it to brie I'm- we should like send you a bag of beef jerky like every year <laughs>
0: i mean <laughs> I-, I i mean i don't i i don't disagree with that i don't think that's a, <laughs> I don't i i wouldn't complain uh, i mean i think the last time that i saw y'all in person she brought she brought a bag of beef jerky it me. is
1: pretty typical for her to bring a bag of beef jerky when we're all together yeah that's fair and now we will thank the amazing <laughs> people that make this show possible so thank you to our incredible patrons jerry de kyle chaska fade out scoop taylor bloom and tobias Janssen. and thank you so much to our incredible editor kayla for all they do to make this show possible And uh, if you want to listen to more of The Perspectrum, you can go and find us on YouTube. Um, And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash The Perspectrum and throw us a couple bucks and get some extra stuff. Um, And thank you so much. Even if you're just tuning into the show and you're not a patron or a YouTube watcher, thank you so much for listening to The Perspectrum. And you'll hear from us again next week.